This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Graham Baldwin, episode six. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant Baldwin, and uh, honored and uh, pumped that you're hanging out with us today. We are at episode six, and uh, today we're hanging out with my friend Chase Reeves. And uh, if you have not heard of Chase or you're not familiar with him, I promise you after this interview today, you will never forget him. He just has that kind of impact on you. And I mean that in a good way. I think of Chase as a friend, a very, very intelligent, smart, creative dude. And he uh, is just, I don't know how to describe it. He's Chase. He's Chase. You'll, you'll, again, you'll see that soon if you're, if you're not familiar with him. But a uh, really cool story today with Chase and, and just a really good conversation we have. Really, um, not only just about his his story and his journey, but kind of our conversation, just kind of a chat, just kind of, kind of like he and I are just hanging out and you're able to be a, a fly on the wall in this conversation. I think you're really going to dig it. And uh, so we talk about a bunch of different stuff here. We talk about, uh, for someone like Chase, who really is a guy who is a, a jack of all trades, he, he talks about his journey of being able to learn a bunch of different skill sets, especially in the creative field. The guy can be, he can do designing, he can do coding, he plays music, and he, he can do a lot of different things. But what do you do? When you're the jack of all trades, you feel like you're the master of none. And you, you know that you're, you're good at a lot of technical skills that could take you in a lot of different directions, but you just you don't really know what to do. And I, I think that really resonates with a lot of people who just feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm good at a lot of things, but how those things translate into a career or which one of those things I should pick I don't know. And, and so that's really that's a, a huge, huge part of Chase's story that you'll, you'll hear today. Also, as it relates to that, we'll talk a lot about why so many of us, we just deal with this paralysis of analysis. We're just overanalyzing our various options, what it is that we're going to do. Uh, we also talk about how we're not only looking for work and like career tracks that we find meaningful and interesting, but things that just resonate with who we are as people, the kind of life that we want to have, the th- types of things that we want to, to create for ourselves. And it's more than just like going in and, and punching a clock or, or working a nine to five gig, but... Like, how does this fit into my life as a bigger picture? So we, we really kind of get into that deeper conversation. And then I, I think you'll really enjoy at the end, uh, Chase will give some advice of what advice he would give to his, his 25-year-old self that he wishes he would have done differently. So I, th- I think you're really going to like that. So hang on for that there. So again, really, really cool interview, really great stuff. I hope this challenges you and encourages you. Uh, you can find all the show notes, all the links, everything that we reference, we talk about at grantbaldwin.com slash Chase Reeves. Uh, that's uh, Reeves with two E's, R-E-E-V-E-S. So again, grantbaldo.com slash Chase Reeves. So again, without further delay, here's my friend Chase for our little fireside chat. Enjoy. All right, today I'm hanging out with my friend Chase Reeves, the uh, the delightful, unfiltered, insightful Chase Reeves himself. Chase, how you doing, man? Delightful, unfiltered, insightful. I kind of like that. I think I should take that and run with it. You Add take it. it. Twitter bio or something. Do it. Massage it. Use it. Keep it. Whatever you'd like to do with it. How's your day going, man? <laughs> Listen to you go. <laughs> you're like the micro machine man or something. I mean, it's not that it's fast. It's no. just that you're you're good at these little auction calls. You can take it. You can bake it. You can do it. And you can cut it up into a million different slices. You yeah, can put it in your baking oven. You can put it in your microwave oven. I tell you what, right now this thing is microwave friendly, and it slices and dices, and it'll fix your marriage, young man. Yes, it will. 
I was going to see how far you were going to go with that. I, got, I, I like decided, I was like, okay, wait, this isn't my podcast. I shouldn't ruin it. We have, we have, <laughs> we have derailed from the beginning. We need, to, yeah. uh, we need to go into some type of an infomercial uh, as seen on TV marketing s- scheme. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Man. So what was your question? How am I doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay today. We came, we came, we came full circle to that. How are you doing? Yeah. All right. So you run uh, or you're a part of Fizzle. What exactly is Fizzle? What do you do with this, uh, this whole uh, Fizzle Nation you got rocking? Well, Grant, I'm glad you asked me that because you see what the problem is that most entrepreneurs have today is Here they lose their motivation. Go. They are fizzling out all over the place. You know, uh, the word fizzle actually comes from a nuclear time. So actually, truthfully, if I was going to tell you the whole story, fizzle is actually the first use of the term fizzle in modern English came from Victorian era England when it was used to refer to a silent but deadly fart. And I mean that. That's actually true. The very first use of the word fizzle is literally an SPD uh, in like you Jesus. know in like Jane Eyre land somewhere. This will uh, either back, be the most the downloaded episode or the least downloaded episode. So as I was saying, time. Grant, uh, most entrepreneurs find themselves in a situation where they are losing steam, where they do not have access to the resources, information, community, and insight that they need to get the success that they deserve and the success that they want in their life. God, this is actually an interesting character. I've never done this guy before. So. You do. You've, you've got a lot that lives inside of you, but this one, There's this a, one's new. This is fresh yeah, i haven't yeah, heard this we are, before we are legion but no that uh so the, sorry i'm kind of <laughs> now i'm like I, all i want to do is keep playing you know but we're kids in the sandbox right now <laughs> exactly so what fizzle does is, is I, I mean i think business stuff is pretty simple i think it's pretty basic humanity stuff i think it's humans like just like a million years ago making this their first tool the old one which is the name of the very first like uh, human artifact that we have, which was a, just a bludgeoning sort of tool and like sort of a carving thing. And humans are sort of, we're tool makers. That's what we do. We have like this need, like, hey, I need to kill that animal to eat its meat. And then we create a tool to sort of do it. And then someone says like, oh my God, Tony, how did you make that tool? And he says, I made it over here. Tony, <laughs> the other guy's like, I could never do something like that. Can I, can you make me one? Right? And so it's just humans making things to fill like actual legitimate real needs. So business to me is like pretty simple. But it gets really like, like the the essentials of it is simple, but there gets so complicated when you actually get into the implementation of things, especially considering how many opportunities there are now, how how many tools there are now that you can use. Wait, should I be on Twitter or Facebook? What about Pinterest? I've heard about Pinterest. You know, all of the like, I need a website. Well, what kind of website should I blog? What's a blog? I need a big video. Everybody's saying video. Okay, let's do video. All these ideas and all of these these sort of best practices that people are just spitting around the internet and flying at one another. I kind of care about these people trying to start up businesses. And so we have two things. Pro training. So video training, because I think this is the best way to get this stuff through your head. We never waste your time. Get in there, spend an hour on our Fizzle Mindset course or the Productivity course, and you will think differently about business. You'll, you'll do things differently. So we got the pro training on one side. Then we have the supporting community on the other hand. Because I don't think there's a whole lot you actually need to learn, but there are a few things you should learn because you're going to burn out. That's just what's going to happen. And then on the other side, you need to have the support and accountability to be able to kind of like, I don't know, just survive the day after day grit and, and labor of this stuff because there's no such thing as a free lunch. So that's what fizzle is. It's kind of like make trying to my, my co-founder and I are, are trying to turn this into uh, I don't know, the best sort of resource for, for people like us who are independent, bootstrapping, gritty sort of people who want to make things that they care about instead of work at some cubicle the rest of their life. Right, for sure. And it sounds like the type of thing that you wish you had when you started diving into this world. 
Yeah, I mean, and to be honest, I don't know. I think I, if I was doing it right now, I would want this because there's just way. I mean, there's just way too much crap out there now that I don't even know what's important or what isn't. Should I tweet? Should I Facebook? What's a buffer? You can get so far away from the point and the purpose of everything that just based on how many like how many things people are saying out there to get page views. And Sorry, that's for the cuss jar. Beep beep. There we go. Beep. We'll break there out the go. beep the beep for that yeah. one. Now, how? Well, why do you think people compl- overcomplicate business in the first place? Because, like you're saying, at the end of the day, it's it's very very simple. A handful of simple things of serving someone, of finding a need and filling it, exchanging dollars and cents for value. So, why yeah. do we seem to just overcomplicate it and make it into something that it's just not? Well, because new technologies arrive that uh, that mean that like people on the front end of those new technologies end up getting it really quick and easy. And then we make, I think we kind of make idols of those folks and we try to recreate that success. So I think of like a guy like Chris Brogan or Gary Vaynerchuk and these guys were hustling at the right time. And so one ounce of effort went, you know, you know, so one inch of effort went uh, two miles in results then. So we try to recreate all of that stuff, and it's not the same now because that's when it was the Wild West. Well, now there's all this established practice, and people are used to websites, and they're used to websites actually offering them things, and they're used to advertisements online, and the banner ads aren't working, and the this, that, and the other aren't working anymore. You know, and so it just the principles are the same. It's just you got to work a lot harder. So, so I, and I don't know. I've never really tried it. I don't know who would answer that question. I guess like a social tech psychologist or something like that but social um, tech psychologists they're very common you yeah, yeah you probably one. have a couple of those listening listening here but it's a great question grant like what why is this like what do you think makes it so that we're all overcomplicating this thing well, I mean, I, I think there's definitely there's that shiny object, and I see someone else is doing something over there that's working, and I want my thing to be working. So maybe I need to do what they're doing to recreate the wheel, uh, yeah. to make it work on my side. And, and just because it's working over there doesn't mean it's going to work over here. And just because it's working over there doesn't mean it's the right thing for me to do over here. But yeah. it's working for you, so I'm going to at least give it a shot because I think it's at the end of the day we all want to be successful, however you would dis- define that. But and there's another there's another element too that's like it's also like really convoluted. Like you can't just you're like, oh, I love to travel. I'll start a blog and be a traveler blog. And that was really awesome 10 years ago or five years ago when, when very few people were doing that. Well, now you can't search for something without finding uh, – you can't search for like you know, a trip to Indonesia without finding 375,000 blog posts from different travel bloggers about traveling to Indonesia. And so which one right. – you're going to be one of those now. So the, there's so much competition. There's so – much stuff out there if you choose a big, broad topic like that. But if you chose, you know, writing unicycles in North Portland, well, then you could, you're, you could probably be the only blog for that. Actually, there are a few, I think, about that. Can we, can we expect that coming from you anytime soon? No, you can't. It's disappointing. That's it's disappointing. actually in the membership community, private membership community. <laughs> I will, I will pay any dollar amount to get access to that info. <laughs> I believe it. Now, where does this, uh, like, where does this in, intrigue and just interest in in business and entrepreneurship come from? Is this something you've always been just interested in or drawn to, or where does this, where does this come from? That's a really good question. I think I try to think about it because I don't know if I've really landed on the right answer for that for my own story yet. But because, like, so right now I'm at my parents' house where I grew up. We live in in. Portland. My mom and dad live in the Bay Area, California. And so I'm in this room that I spent most of my high school and junior high in. And I'm, I just opened up the oh, drawers. Oh, the stories those walls could tell. Yeah, exactly. I just opened up the drawers and I realized, oh my God, there's like four collections of Pentel pens, pencils, 
and, and crayons in here because my grandma was actually an interior designer and I never got to see her do that work ever, never once, right? But, but she would like for Christmas or birthdays, she'd give me these sorts of things. Which sort of instilled in me because I was like I was always doing a little bit of a technical drawing thing and and stuff like that and that turned into this creativity thing that somehow got co-opted by making music which which then got me into getting on the computer because then I could record the music and have like four of me playing guitar and oh no one of me could play drums too let's learn how to play the drums so I'm getting really good at the computer and at what's called linear editing programs which is the same exact technology and like if you look at it it looks exactly the same as editing a video so I started being able to do that just because I knew how to do the audio thing which meant now that I had these tools for making things I had heard about the web and I'm like I want to try to learn how to share these things you know, so then I, I had I had this excuse to sort of fiddle around with the bits and bytes. I was comfortable enough on the computer to be able to make like to to try my hand at making a website, learning WordPress. I bought Thesis Theme a hundred years ago and didn't know how to do anything. So I was just on their forums, the WordPress uh, Thesis Theme. Their forums were great because they had people in there who were I think paid to answer questions. So I'd be like, I wanted to do this, and they're teaching me the basics of HTML and CSS and WordPress stuff. And so it was just this trial and error, getting in and, and trying things out that lends me leaves me, you know, about I don't know six seven years ago with like all of these great tools that I can do. Like I am a multimedia agency by myself, but it, I didn't know that was a big deal then. Yeah. Well, and you, know? you, you covered a bunch of different stuff there. Let's backtrack a little bit. So, I mean, even I think it's fitting that you're, you know, you're sitting in your old room there. So yeah. as a kid, as a, as a high school student, as even a college student, what is it that you want to do with your life? What looking back, what kind of trajectory are you on? I used to have these little like tiny notebooks uh, that I would have and I would write lyrics in them, like limericks and weird, silly word things. So one time you remember back in the day, it was like there was this situation, I think it was in Vegas or somewhere, I can't really remember, where, where Tupac Shakur yeah. was in a... East, east side, west side. Yeah, it was in like a firefight somewhere, and I don't think he died then. He, it was, maybe it was when... I, but I, I don't think he did. Everything was fine afterwards. It was some skirmish, right? There was a skirmish, and I was a junior higher, and I liked rap music. And so this was just like a thing, but we didn't know what any of this meant, right? But I, to the tune of Gilligan's Island, wrote this like fable of this like skirmish in Vegas of Tupac and these guys and like, you know, to the tune of Gilligan's Island, which I never really watched, but I just had it in my head. So I just started like writing things. What I wanted to do is I wanted to make something funny. I wanted to make something interesting and funny. I wanted to create something and say it to someone and have them like, kind of like gather a few friends around and then and they keep them giggling. That's what I wanted. That's what I, That's all I still want from life. Yeah. So, so even like being able to just create something and being yeah. able to get some type of response from someone about that thing that you made. Exactly. I think that was that was. I mean, that's such a funny little moment back then when I was like, I was a goofy kid. I would wear like remember Vans. They made these like bowling shoes for a couple of years. Yeah. I had the Vans bowling shoes and like the the hemp necklace with the Stussy eight ball on it. Come on. And I was just I was listening to a lot of a lot of like Van Halen and stuff just because my dad was like I was playing guitar and he's like, well then you got to listen to Van Halen. I don't know. I was the goofy kid and I wanted to create those kinds of experiences. I think. I mean, this is me looking back. Sure. Then, you know, you, all you have is like you're either funny or you're good at throwing a football or you're, you just find what you're, what you're good at. And I, I, I could have been good at a lot of different stuff, but I, the only thing I really wanted to do, I think, was, was really 
to try to be, I think I just like to be funny because I didn't, I was so confused by everything. You know, so, I was so confused by life. I didn't, and I wasn't, I didn't want to go be like some jock guy. Well, I think that's a pretty good summary of, of where you're at. Just, I want to make stuff and I want to get a reaction of some form from people from that, that whatever it is that I made, made them laugh, made them smile, made them think, made them cry, made them do something. I mean, still, yeah, to this day, I mean, the guy, my patron saint, which is, I should probably aim a little higher. But kind of like my patron saint right now, I can't get away from this guy when I think about what do I want to do with my life. I look at Louis C.K. because he gets to be, he gets to make things he likes. He gets to be authentic. He's he's on a he's on a search for truth with a capital T, and then he gets on stage and he tells you that truth back to you in a way that you can listen to it. You see yourself in it. You're also uncomfortable by it, and you're laughing at the darkness in yourself, and you feel more comfortable in your own skin. You know, the whole time. And that's, that's what I love about Louis C.K. He's like, he's telling me these jokes. And I'm like, yes, you're right. I do. It is so tough to be a dad. I almost hate it. And at the same time, it's the most best thing I have going for me. You know, and these things are, they come hand in hand. This is what life is like. So I just, I don't know, I liked it a lot. That's probably what I like dream about more than anything is just trying to create those experiences in every blog post. And that's why I'm teaching entrepreneurial stuff. And I'm trying to make it interesting and entertaining, but also let you see how important this stuff is. There's real blood and guts involved and there's real like, there's real things at stake. And this is, I mean, career, I think a lot of things started shifting for me when it st- when I stopped being in junior high and high school and making things for fun and had to go find jobs. Right. That's what I was going to say is, is you're at the spot where it's like, I like making things and I like getting a reaction. But at what point are you realizing, how does this translate into a career? Like I want to eat and live indoors and I need yeah. to make some type of living. So where do you see that path going in order to create something and get that reaction from someone? So at first, the way it started for me is I just did a lot of... Uh, I was working at a lot of churches because that's kind of was with my background and I could do all the multimedia stuff there. I played a lot of music so I could, and that was all, those skills were, were there was a need for them there and I got to do that right. a lot. And then when I moved up to Portland about almost 10 years ago, that was kind of like my first, besides like the very first job I ever got at like a Jamba Juice. It wasn't even a Jamba Juice. It was called Blenzers. It was like a Jamba Juice ripoff. Was there um, a Z in Blenzers? Yeah, there was a double Z. In it Blenders. sounded like there would be. Yeah, just yeah. wanted to know. All right. <laughs> and so besides that job, everything else was like at churches and stuff. I went to school to get this fancy education in biblical studies. Thought I was going to go do the pastoral thing because I was, I was good at that stuff. But then I, I like wanted to, I just didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to have like a real job. I wanted like, be I wanted to make something of value rather than I don't know just just hope that people would donate to my thing there's something that's always just felt broken about that you know so instead just look for the first job I can get and it was this media company up in Portland and so I got a job as a project manager there I didn't know anything about what they were doing or what was going on or how I could do any of this stuff I just kind of fiddled with it for a year and then I left that and realized because I was like I could probably do this better than these guys are doing it. So I tried starting my own company, making, doing like internet video. Like basically, you are a company, you need to tell your story on your website. Do that with video because it's the best way to create that emotional engagement. Let me help you do it. Of course, I had zero experience in sales and marketing and any of this stuff. And after about a year of just pounding my face against the pavement, I uh, was like, let's get another job. <laughs> so you're, you're doing that for a little bit on your, with this company and, and finally a year into it, you're like, all right, I can do this on my own. I can, I don't need you guys. Yep. Is this just more of a, I can do it better or I'm just frustrated working for someone else or it's where both. it's both. And, and like, it's not just that I could do it better because they were doing a different sort of thing than, than I wanted to be doing. I had a creative vision like that I wanted to see and I wanted to do these sorts of, I want, I like, okay, I want to go this direction over there. Not, not where I am right now. 
also, it was a little bit of that, that lone wolf sort of thing. Like, I, I know I can do this really well. Like, I just knew I could do it, right? I just, I was, I was confident in myself. I knew I could do it. But then I kind of did it on my own as an island, and I didn't have any mentors. I didn't, you know, have any sort of networking that I was doing or, or any sort of lead generation stuff at all. Like, I was just on my own trying to, like, you know, I was cold calling people, basically. And I got, I got a handful of clients, but it was a lot of work. The, the system of actually getting the business was not what I anticipated at all. All I saw was the things that I wanted to make for clients. Yeah, and I think there's, there's real value there in recognizing where your skill sets begin and end. And knowing for you, you're insanely good at the creative side of it, and I can make stuff all day long. But how that translates to getting people to pay me to make them stuff... That's yeah. the part I hate, and yet that's the part that is the engine of sales. You know, and that's how yeah. I make. That's I, I got to have that in order to make a living. But that part of it, of doing it on my own, of being the lone wolf, is killing me. Yeah, totally. And so from there, I actually got a job with an, an agency, a web agency in, in Portland. So I was already doing some websites, but actually got hired there as kind of a business development second fiddle guy to the CEO there. So we would be going into the rooms. I would be working with him, putting together proposals, talking to the to the potential clients, and we were, you know, vetting on like fifty thousand dollars websites and stuff. We had some success, like that was fun. And then the economy tanked, and they're like, "Okay, we're going to make you a full commission only salesman." Yikes! <laughs> and I was like, "My son is getting born in two weeks. I really need you to fire me so I can try to get unemployment." And so they did. And All right, you just brushed over that whole thing. So this is two weeks before your son is born that you had yeah. this conversation. What's going through your head at that point? It was just, I mean, I was young when, when we had our first son, Aiden. So I was 26. I think I was 26 when we got pregnant. And so 26 when he was just about to arrive. And I didn't know who I was or what I was here for still. I just knew I had a lot of opportunity. I was good at a lot of stuff. I could be successful at anything I had enough time to like ply my trade, my hands at. You know what I mean? I knew I could do that. But it was so frustrating that I didn't have, nobody was saying like, come this way, come this way, come this way, come this way. I wanted a mentor so bad, you know. But I was all on my own. So At the time, that's what you wanted in some ways, right? Yeah, I mean, well, this is when I was working at the company, and so after at the web agency, and it just you know after a while it just starts getting eh, I don't know I don't know I don't know right, and then they they did the whole full time sales, and I, so I spent two months in the middle at the beginning of the recession trying to sell fifty thousand dollars websites through cold calls. That's what I did, Yuck. which means that's why I almost ended my life. You know what I mean? Just because it was just nightmare. It was like exactly what you'd want to do if you want to you want to like ruin everything good about your personality and, and your lifestyle. You just throw yourself in front of a brick wall every single day, knowing full well that none of this is going to work until another two years when this thing kind of comes back to life. I mean, if we, were, we could have sold $300 websites, $2,000 websites, but not $50,000 websites. Right. And that's what our company did. So, so anyways. So um, you're, doing the, you're doing the sales job or you just you pulled the plug completely? I did completely. it for a little while before they, like, they're like, they transferred me to that. You know, they said, "Okay, th- do this because we don't have any incoming business." And then they they made me full commission after I hadn't sold anything for two months. And then it was like, "Okay, <laughs> you're just trying to make me quit." <laughs> you know, that was like a heavy duty moment. You know, when you're when you're like, "The life's on the line. I got a baby coming around the corner, and I'm 26. I have no idea what that means. What a baby's coming means, right? I don't know. Right, right. All I know is that there was this woman." She, and we did this thing, and now all got of a it, sudden, got it. the rest of my life is like, oh my God, there's this baby coming. 
Yeah. You know, or there's this baby here. When you hear so many of those stories of people who had something similar, and I, I, I know we've talked, you know, a few times offline and had something similar where I was doing a job that at the time just hated and wasn't really what I wanted to do. And the real eye opening experience was when wife got pregnant. And yeah. it's like, crap, I got to. I got to figure some stuff out before this little thing totally. gets here is going to be dependent on me for a long time. And yeah. I, I need to know what I'm doing and how I can I provide for this family. I had a professor, had a professor in college who said he was going through his PhD program at the same time as like 12 other people. And it was him and another guy who had, who had kids. And they're the only two that finished it before schedule. Everybody else finished it after, like, like by two years, finished their PhD, like delayed it throughout the whole thing. And it was simply because you just have this imperative to, to do this thing. And so now I had that imperative, but I also had this frustration with the fact that I could be really great at, at a lot of things, but I'm not excellent at anything. You know, what am I going to do now? So we take unemployment for a week before I kind of hang my shingle again as a website maker. And at this time, I was really good at designing and creating websites. And I, what I did is I just focused on Portland and, and did a bunch of restaurants that I liked in Portland. I was like, listen, dude, I'll make I'll give you a huge deal. I just want to make a handful of websites to build my, my, fa- my own sort of portfolio. And so I did that for a little while. And that was great before I got another job because it was a good opportunity at a, at a local startup. Um, what, what are you doing that week between there where before you kind of hang your shingle and you just quit the last job is the, and the baby's here at this point, right? The baby is well. So the truth is, while I was working for that company, I was already doing little projects on the side. Like okay. I had a blog called Father Apprentice that I had started, and I was making content for, and I was like writing. And this was me being, you know, writing the uh, Killigan's Island theme song, Tupac rap. Right? Yep. You know, this is the, what what that looked like when I was twenty six. Was doing a site called Father Apprentice for dads who are <laughs> who like are terrified about being dads and wanted to do this thing well. So, so I'd you- already started that before. Before Aiden was born, and then kept going, sort of afterwards. So because I had this experience with blogging and and create, because before that I had a couple other blogs, just for fun, just for shoots and googles or whatever you'd call it on the uh, non bleep podcast or or whatever we. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, oh, I don't know what just happened there. That was yeah, beautiful, though. Yeah, Very eloquent. Well said. So, <laughs> all right. So let's back up. So you got that week there where you know Aiden's getting ready to arrive, uh, getting ready to become a, this new dad. I've got this freelance site I'm doing on the side, doing some freelance work. A few different irons in the fire there, but still, you. I think you described it well for yourself that you're a guy that has a bunch of different, like really solid technical skills, and could go a lot of different directions. So it wasn't like I've got yeah. one tool in the tool belt, and I just don't know how that translates. But I've got 10 tools and I could go a hundred different directions with those 10 tools. So do you just feel like overwhelmed of like, I just, I don't know what to do and how all of this actually translates and what's the best path? Are you just kind of that paralysis of, of analysis or what's kind of going through your mind there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, to me, it's kind of like there's that scene in the matrix where there's a long hallway and there's a bunch of doors, you know, and they all look the same. And I'm the kind of guy who I can open up a lot of those doors. But you can't tell by looking at the door what's on the other side. So it's, you're just neutral about all of them. Right. You know, you're just neutral about all of them. Because if I got into music and then saw early success in that and more people saying like more, 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 come this way, come this way, come this way, I probably wouldn't have developed into doing the video and the, and the web stuff. You know, then my life would be easier because even if I was making very little money, I'd know what, who I was and what I was there for because I'd, I'd gotten good at something. You know, and I'd focus and stayed on it. 
when I say gotten good at something, there's a, there's a difference between like, these are things I'm capable of doing and I know I could do them well, but I haven't turned pro on any of them. Turning pro on video or web or music means, means that like getting used to that, like when I did the first business on my own and I didn't prepare or plan or at all on the whole business side of things. I was just, I just, all I saw in my head was the product I wanted to make for people. Turning pro is understanding that whole ecosystem. So if I'm a video guy, I see all of that, which means, and if I could go back, and this is what I encourage people to do all the time, I wish I could have gone and been an apprentice for two or three years under someone in one of those creative fields. And eventually I did that. Not in a creative field, actually in a business field. But if I would have been an apprentice under someone who was at the record company or something like that, I would have been in a much different place. Rather than like kind of free-falling through, like, I could do a lot of this stuff, man, and I know I could be great at any of it, but it's really difficult to tell. But I'm just confused because I don't want to pick any one of them because I could make the wrong choice. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Like it's still, it was very clear. And then looking back, it's still very clear, like, I could have gone one way or the other, and that might have been a bad, a bad move. The truth is, maybe the bad move is not picking any single one, you know? But, and I, I'm on the fence about that still to this day, because what's responsible for my success has been that I'm a jack of all trades. I had to allow myself those six years of grinding through that and like bouncing from one thing to the next. The, the unfortunate thing is that I put myself under a lot of pressure through that six years and gave myself a lot of crap because I hadn't had it, didn't have it figured out yet. But, I expected more from myself. But you know? do you think like looking at your, it sounds like today, and we'll get to this in a second, but it sounds like today you're pretty content, we're pretty happy, and you found like you've kind of landed on something. Would you say that the past six years of like trudging through that and just kind of doing that soul searching of who am I, what am I supposed to be doing, and what do I bring to the table, that that's worth it to get to the thing where you're like, ah, oh, this is it, this is what I want to do? Yeah. I mean, not only is it worth it, I think it's just necessary. Right. But it seems it's like most necessary. people, like we both know guys and girls who, you know, are, are maybe on that six year track of going, all right, I got to, I got to do this soul search. And I got to figure out what I want to do. And I'm not really sure. And I got this degree over here, but I got this interest over here and I got this social pressure here. My parents want me to do this. So screw it. I'm just going to go the path of least resistance, settle in. And I'm, this is going to be my life. So what differentiates then the people that say, no, 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 I can't just do something just for the sake of paycheck and do something that where you know, maybe I'm getting a decent paycheck and maybe my parents are happy and maybe the society gives me a high five because I'm doing something that's respectable or whatever, but inside I'm dying. What makes someone different that they're willing to take the leap and say, screw what everybody thinks. I've got to figure this out and find something that, that brings me joy and satisfaction. Probably father wounds, <laughs> insecurities, something. I don't, I, I don't really know. That type certainly exists out there. But you know Both what I mean? Those do. I do. Absolutely. I mean, for some reason, I had a desire to, to do this, to try stuff out. I mean, even when I was in uh, elementary school, I remember I saw some kid there. He was really good at drawing, and he created a little comic book out of like six pieces of paper, you know, and he stapled it together and folded it over and made this character and did something. I was like, oh, oh my God, Jeff, I want to do that. And so I, tried, I copied him. Like I tried to do that. I created my own little character and tried to, for some reason early on, I did, like why would that – would I have wanted to like it goes from there's a difference between like why not just get the thing and look at it and be like oh this was so cool I'm so glad you did this why not just stay there instead of going like me too I want to do this too let me deconstruct what you made and see if I can make it myself yeah for some reason I just I just wanted to really bad it was just it was in me 
So you're and doing. And I think that by truth, the truth is, I think it's in all of us. I think we're all creative. We're all we're all that stuff from the very early days of humanity. You've got a job to do. You know what I mean? For sure. And, and the, these things back then, I don't know. We, we're following these rules now because it's such a well-worn path laid out in front of us, and that's why we end up in cubicles that, and jobs that we hate so often. Um, and I think the the goal is that companies get better because there's companies doing meaningful work that they need a lot of people to work at, and they got to get better at treating their employees and getting that autonomy and independence and that creativity flowing in there. And I think that's kind of the one of the big dreams. But at the same time, I mean, it's more possible than ever to do this on your own in meaningful, independent ways. But you've got to turn pro on something. Right, right, right. Just and it doesn't it. mean something for the rest of your life. Like it could mean, like we talked about earlier, like the whole, the unicycle riding North Portlander who has a job, right? That's a niche that you can talk specifically to that person. And you might only talk to them for two years or three months before you realize that they, they, there's not that many of them. And even if you could get to all of them, uh, they aren't willing to pay for something or sure. they don't have problems. But maybe you do that for a year, you realize, oh my God, I can communicate with these people. They have this one single need, like there's no kickstand made for unicycle or something like that. Maybe I could look in, into making that for them. Right. Uh, then you do that and you find that, yeah, there's only 10 of them, but I could speak directly to the hearts and make them resonate with my product and with what I represent. And then they're sharing it with their friends. And now you get to go beyond Portland unicyclers to, to the, to the U S and the world at large. And then you go and then you're like, okay, this has got this company going, like, let's hire someone to run it. I want to do something else now. So like, you, you don't, you're never really locking yourself in forever. And I think that's something I always thought is that I was locking myself in forever, and that's what gave me that analysis paralysis. Yeah, so, so true. I, I felt the same way that you just feel like, you just feel stuck, you feel trapped, and I, I made this decision. It's the same thing like whenever I speak to high school or college students that they feel like I'm making a decision when I'm 18 or 19 of what I'm gonna major in in college, and that's what I'm locked into for the next 50 years. And it's like, no, yeah. not at all. Like, who you are as a human is always evolving and changing, and, it, and if you and I were to think back to who we were five or 10 years ago, we're totally, in some ways, some totally different people, because you just, you grow, you become fathers, you become wives, you become spouses, you, you just have this whole different mindset now that would take you to diff a different place in your career and in business and what it is that you want to do, what it is that you want to accomplish, what you feel like you're on this planet to do, that you don't know when you're kind of in the trenches and you're just going through that mud and muck just trying to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I'm so glad you're doing this podcast, Grant, because I mean, it's something I resonate with so much because I did the school. I was really good at it. I found things that I was really in love with and cared about and was passionate about. But none of those things ever, I ever never felt like those things could be career stuff for me. And if I could go back, what I would say to myself is find someone who actually makes, earns a living doing something that is intriguing to you, that you like, that you're really, you really admire them and what they do and how they do it. And then just stick around, make coffee for them, work for nothing. If you like have a, you know, work at Safeway or some grocery store or some, or Chipotle or something like that. And then get, spend as much time with them as you can, because just watching how that person does it, you're going to be fast tracked, you know, for so quickly, so quickly. And you're going to get to see this whole world of things. Like, and so in the final company that I was in before we started Fizzle, I was there for three years under a guy who had done two really successful businesses before, a longtime entrepreneur, longtime 
tech guy, wondered, like already made his nut, already has the yacht and the things like this. So for him, this was like a, just a fun project and he, he needed a, a smart kid like me to do it. So he gave me opportunity and I got to be right next to him through everything that we did. I see everything that the company does. I got to be in the board room with, with huge companies. And he did the most amazing thing to me where he said, you know, before we walk into a room, I will never lean on you or expect you to say something that you do not know the answer to. Okay. And so I will only ever lean on you for things that I know you know the answer to. And then in that moment, I kind of realized I had spent my whole life trying to give these answers to things I didn't really have the answers to because I thought you needed to do that in order to be, in order to be successful, in order to be someone that people would listen to, yeah. in order to be convincing and persuasive, in order to have authority on any of these things, right? But then I realized, no, I could just be me and realize that that's valuable. You know, well, my perspective on things, my experience with things, writing Tupac Gilligan's Island songs is valuable. You know, I became a really good writer, a really good marketer, a really good you know, media guy because, because of that, all that stuff. So stop trying to be this, all this other stuff. Just be that. Be really good at that and go all the way in on that. Yeah, I like what you said earlier about just that whole concept of apprentice and, and finding someone who's doing what you want to do. Not right, you're not writing their coattails, but just figuring out, all right, you've carved that path. And, no, and I, th- I mean, all means, like, ride the coattails for a little while. But also, it's not just what you like what they're doing. You just, you like, you'll, you can sense it. There's something about how they approach their work that's different and that yep. you admire. It could be selling insurance or something. But you watch it. What's more important almost, I mean, the best case scenario is, hey, I'm really interested in music. You have a, you know, whatever, and a, a small label. You treat your artists really interestingly. I'm moving to Nashville to watch, to just be near you. I'm going to be here. Whenever you have an opening, I want to be the one there. And I'm going to hang around and clean the floors for no pay because – this is something that intrigues me and I want to get close to how you're doing things because it, it intrigues me. You do that to someone, I don't care who they are, they're going to break down at some point and let you in. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Well, I think that's even the point of, of doing a podcast like this is I think a lot of us, we're not really sure what we want until we see someone doing it. And, and I think so many people, they're like, I don't know what I want. Oh, wait, you do what? Tell me about that. That's it. That that resonates. I, I think about even for me, you know, whenever I started speaking, I come across someone like, you know, our friend Josh Ship, and I see what he's doing, and I'm like, well, you can do it. I could probably figure that out. And, and yep. hey, let's see. so finding someone who's doing it and, and just figuring out what were those steps that you took early on that helped get you to that point? Because a lot of times we look at that journey, that entrepreneur or business or career journey of A to Z, and we like to look at Z. X, Y, and Z, that's the sexy part. That's arrived, you're, you're on the mountain. But yeah. A, B, and C, like when you were in my shoes, how did you get going and how did you come overcome these fears and doubts? How did you turn pro? How did you give yourself permission? All of these things that we are insanely, insanely valuable, but a lot of times we're just trying to figure out on our own, but being able to link up with someone who's going to say, no, no, let me help you and hold your hand and give you a kick in the pants when you need it to help make that transition. Yeah. And it's this sense of, for some reason, as, as you're saying that, it just is resounding in my head. There's this quote that Brad Fell, the successful entrepreneur, VC guy that I really, I like, I admire him. He has this quote about the hardest thing for a 22 year old CEO to do is to plan and look ahead for the next 22 years. Because the truth about business is it's a long, long road of many short cycles. So you got to have this long-term view with short cycles and you kind of have to go between the two. And that idea of the long-term view and feeling like you're not, okay, I'm going to choose this industry for right now or this company or go into this job opening or something like that. 
And I know that this isn't what I want to be doing for the rest of my life, but it's also not what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Like whatever I take, it's not going to be forever, no questions asked. You're going to learn something about yourself. You're going to learn something about how the world works and how business works and what you're good at. And that is the most valuable lesson you can learn is what your unique angle in on things is. Because when you can stand up tall on, on what that is, it changes things. When you can be confident about like, you know what, I don't know the answer to that question. I can find out for you. But what I do know is this stuff over here. When right. you know, when you can say that, the world looks different. And the world actually behaves differently around you. And it's, it's, it, that's what's been so remarkable for me is is just seeing how big of a deal that is and how much I wanted it back then and was searching for it and thought I had it in this moment and that moment and the other moment. But it was all just kind of like still just on the one step on the journey, you know? Yeah. And then now, like, not that, and I'm not that old. I'm only 32 or something. So it's like, I'm not that old, but I know the things that I know and I'm in a position where I don't have to say things that I don't know the answers to. Right. You know, I don't have to say things that I don't have to say. And that mean, that just makes such a difference for me. And maybe, maybe a lot of people out there don't feel the same, but that was such a big deal for me to be able to go like, you know what? I don't have to have the answer to everything. I just need to turn pro on this one thing and be good at this. And I actually will have more demand for my services, more insight and intelligence in any given situation when I do that. But that's, I don't know, like for people listening to this, if really for people getting into the, just exploring the career thing, which I think is the most exciting thing. I think work, I think you're a farmer, you got to feel, you got to plot a land and you got to try to get the crop to grow and you get this family and you're like, all right, now you're four and a half and you got to work for me now. This whole idea like of career and of like this work that you have to do, like we have to do that. This is a lot of nature. And I think it could be really, really exciting. It could be amazing. It can be in incredibly engaging and inspiring and it so rarely is and that's part of it is i think i was like i too i, I had too much of a silver spoon in my face or whatever the saying is i don't know you're gonna have to beat that out too <laughs> i'll try but like i expected too much out of life i expected a lot out of life i still do like i want it to be really good right you know, i want it i want it to go well i want to be happy in it and i want to be i don't know I, I just want it to go well i want it to be good and that's like why I think I was so unsatisfied in every stage, but the, but like that search is is rewarding after a while if you can kind of anticipate that life you're going to get knocked around a bunch. Right, right. It's that balancing yeah. of having these these high expectations and high standards for ourselves, but at the same time not giving ourselves unrealistic expectations that if I find the perfect job, it's going to fulfill my life and make me happy forever and ever. Like a you know this princess that's found a prince and that solves all my problems. Like it just yeah. it does. It just doesn't work like that, you know? Yeah, and that's why, that's why it's such a big question. And it's something like I look back at me in college and after college and, just go, and I go like, oh, I feel, I feel for me, <laughs> you know? And I feel for all the kids that are in that mode. Let's wrap up with that. Looking back to your post-college self and you're going through that six-year journey of just trying to figure out, what the heck am I doing here? What advice would you give to yourself now? I mean, I think I really would just harp on, again on that, be, becoming an apprentice thing. Like you are capable of doing it on your own. You're a good lone wolf. You're going to be really good at all this stuff. You're exceptional in a lot of different environments that you don't even know about yet. So you could go totally do it on your own right now. Just don't. Don't. Waste three years under someone who you admire because it will shave six years off the cycle of anything that you try to go do. It'll make you so much more adept. And maybe, I don't know, maybe thinking of my own story, who would I have looked at and chosen to work under then 
I don't know, it'd have been probably some pastor or something like that, someone like a Francis Chan or a Rob Bell, probably a Rob Bell. Right. Like I would like there that was someone that was really interesting then. Yep. You know, or or a, like I wanted to go and study up with Eugene Peterson at Regent or something like that. Like there's something about the way that some of these that people in front of you on the journey, how they look at the world and at their craft and at the work that they do is really important. And it's almost more important than the work itself because the work you can, I mean, there's, the work's actually easy. The work's the easy part. It's how you come at the work and what you bring to it that, that makes it, I don't know, special, takes it to that next successful level yeah. that people who are really good at the craft but don't have that inspiration, that spark, won't be able to get it to that level ever. Even yeah. though they could be really profitable and you know totally earn a really comfortable living, do everything they want, totally satisfied. So for me, and I'm talking, so I, I can only talk really just to me. It's like I wish I could would have gone back and found and, and just kind of like do like write down ten names of people that you admire. Then put them. I mean, I mean, what are the chances of you being able to get in the same room or on the phone or in the email with them? And then look at where they are in the country and be like, where could I move to? And really like go all in on just making them coffee. And I would, I, I guess, from what I've experienced of business, like really you just, you literally hound them down. You just move there. <laughs> like you just move there and you show up every day and you say, that's okay. I've got three different coffees. Didn't know which one you, you want. <laughs> you know, you're like Bob. From Mad Men, Bob just shows up and he's and he's got coffee for everyone. Right, but you, and he doesn't even work there at first. I don't think he even had a job there at first. But anyways, it's just that that point where that three years of education that I got under, under Pete Grillo when I was working at a startup in Portland, I did it a little bit late. But I needed to go through all that crap to appreciate what I had. And the whole time I was sitting there kicking against the goad, like, oh, I want to go, want to go do my own thing, want to go do my own thing. But it was like I had the kid, I had the wife, and it was like, just hold on, just hold on. Just chill. Just ride it out for a little while longer. You're still learning. Ride it out. Even though I thought I had all the answers, I, I guess that's another thing. Co-apprentice, and when you think you have all the answers, wait another year. Right. Just, just wait another year. Well, dude, incredible thoughts, incredible insights. For as entertaining and zany as you can be, you're an incredibly intelligent, insightful dude, and I mean that genuinely. And I well, uh, really appreciate your, your thoughts. Appreciate you sharing your, your story and your journey with the, uh, the audience here. So where can we find out more about you and, and Fizzle on this little, uh, this little pony show that you got going on over there? <laughs> I'm not like you. I don't get on stage and do puppets and stuff. <laughs> I'm, good, my, well, I'm good with puppets. I believe you are. So we blog all the time at fizzle.co, F-I-Z-Z-L-E.co. And if you don't care much about who you follow on Twitter, I am Chase underscore Reeves. With two E's. Don't forget that part. Now, uh, yeah, if you do uh, follow him, uh, expect for some uh, good LOLs, literally. So you will uh, (laughs) find lots of uh, insights and joy and humor. Literally. 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 Literally, love. <laughs> All right. We've, we've covered enough here. Dude, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Always good chatting with you. Man, I appreciate you, man. Good on you for getting this thing out the door. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. You're awesome. All 
right, there you have it. A little uh, chat with Chase Reeves of uh, Fizzle.co. Hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully, uh, you're able just to peek inside uh, the world of Chase. Like I told you at the beginning, at the intro, that once you hear Chase, once you're familiar with him, you, you don't forget him. The dude's just a character. He's just a, he's a live wire, but a very, even if he's a, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to find my words here with someone like Chase. For someone who is as can be as silly and funny and goofy, he's also extremely, extremely intelligent, very thoughtful, very creative, and just a really smart dude. So hopefully you were inspired and, and learned a few things along the way, and uh, hopefully you resonate with his story and just kind of, again, how he was jack of all trades, master of none, which is trying to really hone in and figure out what do you do. Hopefully you were able to be inspired by how uh, his advice on just finding an apprentice, finding someone that you could just model and that you could just show up every day, day after day after day, just figuring out how do I learn that world? Instead of trying to, to recreate the wheel, how do I just learn from this person that's doing or living the kind of life that I want to have? So hopefully you enjoyed all that. Again, you can always find all show notes at grantbaldwin.com. Uh, you can find this one at grantbaldwin.com slash Chase Reeves. Again, R-E-E-V-E-S. Make sure you check that out and uh, leave us some comments. Let us know what you think of the episode and uh, reach out to Chase if you want. You can connect with him uh, online as well. Hey, also, uh, we're, we're doing a lot right now to just promote this new podcast. This is our first week out. This is our sixth episode that we've released, and it's really, really, really going well. We have people literally all over the world that are downloading this, that are listening to this, and so we're really stoked about that. We want to continue to share that with as many people as possible. So if you would do this for us, we're running a little contest right now where we're going to be giving away, we're giving away an iPad, we're giving away a $100 gift card to Amazon, giving away a free coaching session with me, so uh, some really cool prizes is there. And here's how you can be eligible to win. We're asking you to do three things. So all the details you can find at grantbaldwin.com slash contest. Here's those three things. Number one, if you would go within iTunes and subscribe to the podcast, you can go go within iTunes, search for how did you get into that? The left side, you'll see a big subscribe button. Just hit that button. That'll download all the episodes, keep you up to date with what's going on. Second thing we would ask you to do is within iTunes, if you would go and leave a, a rating and review for us, there's a, a little box there that you can just put in just your, your comments, your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. It not only encourages and inspires me to keep going, keep making these interviews, but it also encourages other people who may be checking out the podcast. Uh, and iTunes likes it. It helps, uh, it helps with, with the rankings. And so uh, if you can do that for us, that'd be awesome. And then the third thing I'd ask you to do is to uh, go to that again, grantbaldwin.com slash contest. And at the bottom of the page, there's a little box where you can just put in your, your name and email. Uh, so if you would, if you would put your, your info in there uh, for two reasons. One, we want to keep you up to date on the show and different episodes and interviews that come out. We want to let you know what's happening. Uh, but two, if you win a prize, we need to be able to let you know that you won a prize. I would be happy to keep your prize, but I'd prefer that you have it. So uh, we want to just be able to let you know if you could just put the, your name and email in that box, that would be that would be awesome. All right. So there you have it. That puts episode six with Chase Reeves in the books. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you're doing well. Uh, again, as always, if there's anything we can do to support you on your own journey, please, please, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, you can catch me at Grant Baldwin on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, all those places. Uh, Insta-stalk me as, as much as you would like. And then, of course, you can always email me anytime. Just grant at grantbaldwin.com. I would love to uh, hear from you and uh, let me know what I can do to help support you on your journey of life. All right. So that wraps up another episode of How Did You Get Into That? We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.